This week we're wrapping up our four-week series on Amos. And we've been asking the question, what does biblical justice look like? And how might we, as followers of Christ, actively seek justice in our world? In week one, we set the context of the book. Amos was about the last person that you might expect to be called by God to speak out against the injustice being done by Israel. Amos was not a prophet by his own choosing. He was from Judah. He was a shepherd and a tree farmer who was given the task of reminding Israel that they were people who were set apart by God, specifically chosen by God to be his people who reflected his character in the world. At the time of Amos' prophecies, northern Israel was enjoying great economic success, but they were spiritually empty. Worshiping worldly idols had twisted their moral perceptions, and they became known for cheating, stealing, and selling their poor into slavery. God is grieved by the evils that he sees from Israel, but because of his mercy, he gives them an opportunity to repent. And Amos is tasked with warning the Israelites of their coming judgment and urging them to turn back to God. In the book of Amos, we see that loving others and righteous living is more important to God than our religious practices. But despite everything that Israel has done, God still desires to renew the hearts of his people through his coming Messiah. And we were reminded that that is true for us. We, as the church, are God's chosen people to reflect his character in the world. In week two, we, re we remembered that to seek God is to fully live. And in order to truly seek God, then we need to do so out of a posture of humility, recognizing our need to repent. He wants us to seek him by doing his will doing the things that our lips speak, not just giving lip service to the gospel, but to live it out, to earnestly love God, earnestly love his people. We are reminded that God's grace is a gift, a gift that is followed with the good works that he has created for us, work for the hope that is waiting. Last week, we looked at five facets of biblical justice. And we were challenged to spend time reflecting on some practical ways to consider how we might be people who truly seek out biblical justice in our communities. Through learning from others' experiences, seeking justice, defending the oppressed, thinking holistically about justice, and joining with others who are already doing this work. And now this week, we look again to the words of Amos, as he closes his prophecy with a glimpse of restoration. Hear these words from Amos 9, 11 through 15. In that day, I will restore David's fallen shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins and will rebuild it as it used to be so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name, declares the Lord, who will do these things. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. 
New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills, and I will bring my people Israel back from exile. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. The book of Amos closes with a promise of restoration. And I love this promise here because it stands in direct contrast of the warning that we see at the beginning of Amos chapter 5, which we looked at a couple weeks ago. In that text, we get this warning. It says, Because you run roughshod over the poor and take the bread right out of their mouths, you are never going to move into the luxury homes you have built. You are never going to drink wine from the expensive vineyards you planted. I know precisely the extent of your violations, the enormity of your sins. But now here again, verses 14 and 15 of chapter 9. I will bring my people back from exile. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. All of the things in chapter 5 that the people were striving for on their own accord, they would never see. But God promises that those things would be restored. And so this promise is a stark contrast from the rest of the tone and message of Amos. It's a promise that would only partially be realized a couple centuries later. And it's a promise that is still yet to be fully realized. For years, God sent faithful prophets to proclaim the word of the Lord, calling the nations to repentance with little result. The people refused to listen. They refused to look to God for direction. In their prosperity, they developed a false sense of independence. They had laws of God and the sacrificial offerings that they could fall back on. They would try to obey the letter of the law without an understanding of the heart of the law. And so their worship became mechanical and inauthentic. They would make sacrifices to God first and then turn around and worship idols. The people in authority found that they could take advantage of the poor, of the widows, and the strangers without suffering any consequences. Favorable judgments and powerful position could be bought by those who had money. If the poor needed money, the rich would take advantage of this as the poor would be willing to sell themselves into slavery. Sin and evil practices had infected all aspects of Israel for literally hundreds of years. And God sent judgment on his people. But only after more than a hundred years of warning and opportunity to repent. The religious leaders were judged for permitting idolatry. The political leaders were judged for refusing to follow God's direction. The wealthy were judged for their greed and their abuse of the poor. Judicial leaders were judged because of their abuse of the justice system. And as the leaders went, the people followed. But in our text for today, God promises restoration. God will repair these broken places and restore these ruins. A new day will come, one that is not brought forth in judgment, 
but in grace and restoration. This is a day where the people can once again enjoy the goodness of the Lord and live in his presence. And this is a great promise, to be sure. But it does not negate the fact that the bad things that Amos describes are still going to happen to the nation of Israel. In, verse, in the verses leading up to verse 11 in chapter 9, Amos describes the destruction that is yet to come. And 40 years later, following Amos' prophecy, the entire nation, uh, the, the nation of Israel would indeed fall at the hand of the Assyrian Empire. And so we must not allow ourselves to be tempted to negate the call that Amos has to be pursuers of justice. While there was the promise of restoration, they were still called to honor God with the way in which they lived their lives. And we have that same promise and that same call today. The promise that Israel would return from captivity was fulfilled. But the perfect fulfillment of this promise can only be found in Jesus and the restoration that he brings. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God fulfills the restoration promised. Salvation and restoration is a gift that is now available to everyone who places their trust in Jesus. God's purposes go beyond punishment to the complete restoration of all things. Our lives, too, may appear to be filled with peace, but living in God's new land means a life committed to restoration and justice. Where all people are allowed to live in the cities they build, to drink the wine of the vineyards they plant, and to eat the fruit of the gardens they make. True peace comes with working to build God's kingdom in the world, a kingdom in which even now all things are being made new. Amen. <laughs>